This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. On this day in 1912, saloon keeper John Schrank shot U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt. The bullet remained lodged in Roosevelt's chest for the rest of his life. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Lainey Hobbs, from Crimes of Passion. Her show covers sordid stories of love gone wrong. She's here to discuss some of the aftermath of today's story, while I'll cover the narrative. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Hello, everyone. Today, we're covering the attempted assassination of President Theodore Roosevelt, committed just minutes before he was scheduled to give a speech in Wisconsin as he ran for his third term. Let's go back to Milwaukee on the evening of October 14, 1912, a little after 8 p.m. It was cold that evening, but Theodore Roosevelt's supporters didn't mind a little chill. They were just excited to see their candidate up close. Bundled in thick coats, they waited patiently outside the Gilpatrick Hotel on 3rd Street, eager for a glimpse of the former president. Though the weather was frosty that night, it was nothing compared to the bitter fight for the U.S. presidency. With just weeks until the election, tensions were running high, but Roosevelt paid little attention to the drama of the campaign and focused instead on shoring up his support. Wherever he went, large crowds cheered him on. 53-year-old Roosevelt had already served two terms as president, but this time he faced an uphill climb to the White House. As a third-party candidate, he didn't have the infrastructure of the Republican or Democratic parties, so his frequent stops around the country were a vital part of his plan. He would need every single vote if he was to win his way back to the Oval Office. Which is probably why, on October 14th, he stopped for a moment to greet the supporters who waited outside his Milwaukee hotel. After a few moments shaking hands, Roosevelt climbed into his open-top car. He took off his hat and waved it at the crowd, eliciting a cheer that nearly muffled the sound of a gunshot. From just a few feet away, 36-year-old John Schrank pulled a revolver and fired a round into the candidate's chest. As Roosevelt's stenographer restrained Schrank, the crowd surrounding him turned vicious. Just as they were poised to exact vengeance on the would-be assassin, Roosevelt called out for restraint. Between strained breaths, he asked for Schrank to be brought forward to him. Roosevelt demanded his attacker explain himself, but only received a steely silence in reply. 
Seeing that he wouldn't get a straight answer, Roosevelt ordered the shooter be turned over to the police. Only then did he reach inside his coat to feel where the bullet hit him. He felt a hole the size of a small coin in his shirt and told an aide, he pinked me. He then coughed three times into his hand to make sure there was no blood. Satisfied that the bullet hadn't punctured his lung, he ordered his driver to take him to the Milwaukee Auditorium. Injured or not, he was determined to give his speech. Minutes later, Roosevelt took the stage and asked for silence from the crowd. As the audience quieted down, Roosevelt announced, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot. He then pulled from his coat pocket a 50-page speech that was folded in half. Right through the center was the hole through which the bullet traveled. The thick speech, as well as his woolen coat, had helped slow the bullet down. Waving the papers in the air, Roosevelt said, I was going to make a long speech, and it probably saved me from the bullet going into my heart, so I cannot make a very long speech, but I will try my best. The 53-year-old former president proceeded to speak for 84 minutes. While he talked, he occasionally glared at the aides who were standing by in case he collapsed, seemingly annoyed that they thought a single bullet could stop him. Roosevelt was willing to do whatever it took to get back in the White House, even if it killed him. Up next, we'll examine Roosevelt's 1912 presidential campaign and the reason John Schrank wanted him dead. Listeners, who doesn't love a good ghost story? Rattling chains, mysteriously moving objects, unfinished business. I am ready for all things spooky, and so is ParCast Network. Starting October 1st, we're bringing you the scariest, most hair-raising ghost stories ever imagined. Every Thursday on the new original series, Haunted Places Ghost Stories, Alastair Murden summons a new spine-tingling tale of wraiths, phantoms, and chilling apparitions. These stories come from all over the world, including Japan, India, the UK, and even ancient Rome. Don't miss stone-cold classics like The Kit Bag by Algernon Blackwood, a sinister account of a condemned murderer's final wish, and the lengths he'd go to fulfill it. And The Miserere, a Spanish tale of a wandering musician who hears a terrifyingly beautiful song in a burned-out monastery and is doomed to capture its notes until he dies. You can find and follow Haunted Places Ghost Stories free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, October is our favorite month and one of our busiest. So make sure to search ParCast Network in the Spotify search bar to see all our new shows. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. 
On the evening of October 14, 1912, disgruntled saloon keeper John Schrank shot Theodore Roosevelt while the presidential candidate was on his way to an election rally. Luckily, 53-year-old Roosevelt's thick coat and speech notes slowed the bullet down, and he escaped without serious injury. My guest host, Lainey, is going to take over from here to discuss the aftermath of the shooting, as well as the factors that drove John Schrank to violence. Thanks, Vanessa. Following his speech at the Milwaukee Auditorium, 53-year-old Roosevelt finally allowed his aides to rush him to the hospital. X-rays of his chest showed that the bullet broke one of Roosevelt's ribs and ended up lodged near his right lung. And there it was to remain. Doctors decided it was best to leave the bullet where it was, rather than risk invasive surgery to retrieve it. Confident that he was in no more danger, Roosevelt sent a telegram to his wife, describing his wound as trivial. But were it not for his thick coat and full pockets, Roosevelt might not have been so flippant. 36-year-old John Shrink's aim was true. He simply got lucky. While Roosevelt was being examined by doctors, Shrink was being interrogated. The would-be assassin eventually gave several reasons for wanting the president dead. Chief among them was the fact that Roosevelt was running for office again in the first place. See, Roosevelt, already a two-term commander-in-chief, was seeking re-election after just three years out of office. Traditionally, U.S. presidents limit themselves to two four-year terms. Roosevelt ignored that tradition when he threw his hat in the ring in 1912. Formerly a Republican, Roosevelt split from the party after they refused to back his campaign, opting to run under the banner of the Progressive Party. And though he had plenty of supporters, Roosevelt also amassed a large collection of detractors who argued he was breaking with tradition by running again. One such opposer was John Schrank, who followed Roosevelt's campaign around the country, waiting for the right moment to strike. When they searched Schrank, investigators found a letter addressed to his fellow citizens in his pocket. It described a dream he'd had in which Roosevelt's predecessor, President William McKinley, asked Shrink to avenge his death. Presumably, that's what Shrink tried to do that October evening. But at his trial less than a month later, Shrink offered a different explanation for his crime. He pleaded guilty to attempted murder, but argued that he never intended to kill Roosevelt. In his statement to the court, he said, I sought to warn citizen Roosevelt that two terms as president were enough and force him to desist from his attempt to seize an honor never before granted an American citizen. Despite the clarity of mind needed to make such an eloquent argument, Shrink was declared insane. He was committed to a mental asylum for the rest of his life. Theodore Roosevelt did not win a third term as president, he remains the third-party presidential candidate to win the most votes in U.S. election history, but didn't have enough support to overcome Democratic nominee Woodrow Wilson. Though it wasn't Shrink's bullet that stopped him, he may have taken comfort in the fact that Roosevelt never made it back to the Oval Office. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Lainey, for joining me today. 
Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Crimes of Passion, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories about political intrigue and action, check out ParCast Original Political Scandals. You can find all episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and stars Lainey Hobbs and Vanessa Richardson. Remember to join Alastair Murden every Thursday for the all-new series, Haunted Places, Ghost Stories. Don't miss the most chilling spirits ever imagined by authors from around the world. Follow Haunted Places, Ghost Stories free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.